In this episode of Bonsai Southeast, me and Mark sit down and just talk about bonsai misconceptions, and we kind of dabble in where we took our earlier influences. We talk a lot about the Karate Kid and how people get a little confused when they see bonsai sitting on coffee tables and office desks and whatnot. And then, of course, we kind of just beat around the bush with uh, other techniques that we have seen mentioned on Facebook groups and whatnot. So should be a little, a little good introduction to my buddy Mark here, who also produces the podcast. So if you ever want to, uh, you know, give some praise to the way this podcast sound, make sure you guys put some, you know, put some love in the comments for Mark because he takes, he's going to take some good time making sure that we sound intelligent and we sound nice and bright so you can actually hear what we're saying. So I'm going to go ahead and thank Mark for that. Also, uh, I want to go ahead and thank the sponsor that we have of Underhill Bonsai. We are the premier bonsai nursery in Folsom, Louisiana. We supply Louisiana with bonsai supplies such as bonsai soil and bonsai tools, wire, all the other things that you could ever need for taking care of your trees. As far as uh, fertilizers and cut paste, wound seals, basic care things, pesticides like that. And also we have our good collection, building collection of nursery stock, field grown stock, Yamadori stock, and also some pre-bonsai and specimen bonsai trees that are fun to look at. So let's get into this episode. here on a I mean this is a pretty nice night too oh, yeah it, it feels better it feels better outside than it does in the house right now uh, it's just one of those great nights out here but uh, I, I guess we can go like we were talking about earlier how we're gonna introduce uh, Mark onto the, the podcast he is actually the, going to be the producing the podcast and uh, he's been doing bonsai for a great number of years probably a little bit longer than me which is impressive but um, but he's uh he's starting to come back around with it so yeah just uh, kind of tell me, tell me how you got into it, man. We'll kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, I think it was mostly <clears throat> how everybody else got into it. Uh, you see Karate Kid, you see them little trees on it, and you're like, yeah, I want one of those. Well, my grandpa bought me one. Then he bought me a calendar. Like a bonsai calendar? Yep. And it had, you know, the best trees. It's all Japanese trees. Do you, and, uh, do you remember what the, the name on it was? Or? It was a sunset calendar. Oh, sweet. Yeah, if anybody's familiar with the Sunset books, yeah, those <laughs> go back. And I had the Sunset book. I think y'all have it actually at the nursery. I forget what issue it was. It was like a 1970-something. Yeah, the 74 something. Those were like collections. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that with the, the Sunset collection. It was just like a bunch of hobby books, but I didn't know they made calendars. This What mm. year was that? Like This had to be around 1990. Didn't know they made calendars. That's that's kind of awesome. I would like to see one of those. Yeah. Actually, I'm kind of a nerd for it. I would like to have a couple of those vintage calendars. So I'm telling you, like my obsession with uh, the Trident maple it came from that calendar. It's a big, nice maple in a white pot. Like I always talk to you about white pots. I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, they look like toilet bowls. No, they don't look like toilet bowls. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just that. Particular. It's just that. Well, it's it's the way that the it's the way that they put the glaze on the pots, and it's the way. If it doesn't have a rim, actually, if it has more of a pronounced rim, like a thicker rim, then it looks even, yes, it looks yeah. straight up like a toilet rim. But, I mean, that was kind of the style back 
back in that time. Mm-hmm. You took those old classic style unglazed pots and you glazed them. It's more them. of an off-white, which was the color you wouldn't thing. want your toilet to be. <laughs> but uh, it looks nicer in a pot. So yeah, you got the you got the look, your grandfather gifted you the tree. You got the yep. calendar. Killed it, of course. Killed. It was probably dead. What kind of tree was it? It was a percumbens. Percumbens nana. Yeah. It was that classic first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In which I yeah, my first tree was actually a roadside roadside percumbens nana roadside basically. So uh, that's you know that's pretty straightforward. Mine uh mine was that really distinct one where it came up. And it looked kind of like a mustache because it was just literally a little, it was one little stick. Bar branch. And then a bar branch <laughs> straight across. And I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, only did I know. But. <clears throat> he told me if I kept it alive for two months that he'll get me another one. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it died in like a week, which it had to be on its last leg to begin with to die that quick for Juniper. But uh, I remember me and my grandma, we uh, did everything we could to try to keep it alive. Yeah. I mean, were, like, were you doing a, like normal stuff with it? Was it keeping it outside or? Oh, uh, we had it on a windowsill. Yeah, first course. mistake. Yeah, dude, that's where you keep all your, your yeah. Cummins nanas. Yeah, I got a whole window inside. seal of them. You in my see house that right on now. TV? They gotta be inside. <laughs> so, so you got the you got the different thing. Like I didn't do karate. I, I saw the Karate Kid, but uh, the, did you take karate anywhere? Yeah, I started off in ATA, then I did USTA. Then I did tank pseudo. It just continued. Off and on, kind of like I do with bonsai. It was off and on. Mm-hmm. Never really went anywhere with it. But it was always, you know, in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. I mean, so where did, did it go anywhere from there? Or you, it just kind of was a building thing for you? Yeah. It kept me in shape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, the martial arts, it was the art, just art in general, like drawing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I find that, that attracts a lot of people, like, People with like an artistic mind immediately attracted to bonsai when you show it to them. They're like, "Oh, that's cool!" And they, they yeah, they want to grasp onto that that aesthetic first, yeah. and not fully grasp the horticulture, which is something yeah. that we both have gone through, and that's where a lot of beginners would go through. And I've heard even the even the most influential uh, bonsai practitioners today have that same story. Did, did you have any growing interest in any particular species or anything, or was it just kind of on um, on? Well, everybody has ficus in nails, mostly. I was like, man, that should be easy, because I, I would kill everything that I got. Mm. You know, it was just underwatering. Yeah, which is something you have to learn later on. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of, that can kind of go into our, our topic of, uh, yes. of, ten, of today's podcast would be uh, the misconceptions and, and finding out the hard justice about bonsai is not just a practice but also it becomes a lifestyle and it kind of comes ingrained like that's that's how it's come become for me honestly is like well and i go really deep into it obviously i run a i run a bonsai nursery for crying out loud but i mean it kind of gets under your skin and you kind of go from there but the things that you have to learn about bonsai is that it's not just the tree it's everything that comes with it. it's the whole package it's a horticultural practice that that we we are drawn in by the, the little trees that have, you know, they might say something to us starting off. I, I mean, there's things that I see now in trees. And obviously with you, uh, you've seen some different things. And, uh, we, like, we just went through and worked on some wisterias, some Japanese wisterias. And I was blown away by how, how like, I used to look at those little junipers back in the day. And now I'm looking at these these stumps of wisterias. And I'm just, like, I'm, like, amazed by the way these things look. And you put you a little thing on there with carving and stuff and I was like man that's that's pretty sweet there's gonna be some good trees um, 
And we'll have to post those later on as they develop yeah. for sure. So the wisteria, uh, as far as misconceptions, age gets brought up a lot. Like, oh, how old is that tree? Or people think, oh, I have to have this seed in a pot for mm -hmm. 20 years before it. And it, it, it's sad sometimes to learn that it don't work that way. But then again, like we did, how, how old was it? No, those stereos were four years old. They're grown in the ground four years and just went nuts because the, the field soil that we have at the nursery is an old cow pasture. So it's just like high, high nitrogen in that. Like yeah. old cow poop nitrogen for days, probably for the rest of the rest of the time that it's there. I mean, it's deep embedded in there because, I mean, uh, they were saying that that was an old cow pasture back years and years ago. I still have people roll up to the nursery and say, uh, this is my old family's land. My grandpa used to run this place or my uncle or my cousin or, you know, there's a bunch of people <laughs> related out there apparently to this cow pasture where these people used to uh, run their regular business. But it ended up being gold. We struck gold with the land. Uh, me and Doug came, you know, Doug came across it, of course. He, he went and got the land, of course, but it's been the best, like, growing field that I've that I can think of right now, because also Folsom's a it's a nursery heaven out there. Folsom, Louisiana, is if y'all are not familiar with it, where where we're at, um, we mentioned this in the previous episode with uh, with Nate about where we're at Southeast Range. It's kind of like we're not. I mean, Mark's from the West Bank, so he's from he's down in, from the uh, from the actual the Bayou, yep. what you would say. But uh, I've always been on the North Shore of the lake. The North Shore kind of runs up in this old pine, pine savanna area where it's kind of some parts are, are higher and drier than others, but there's definitely your low setter, lower setting areas, and so we have that this unique range, um, and things grow exceptionally well. Our growing seasons are pretty long here, but yeah, the the, the misconception of how old a tree is. Yes. Um, I'm sure you've had this conversation with a lot of people mm -hmm. um, coming here. Into What's the your first garden? question a lot of people ask? How old is that tree? Mm -hmm. And I always say it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. I mean, those wisteria that we pulled up today put in a pot you said they're three or four years old they can easily pass for a 50 year old tree yeah oh i mean there was today the guy came in to the nursery you were there mm -hmm. and he was like uh he's like how old is that bald cypress and i said uh it's been in training for about 15 years he said like oh that's not very old and i was like well if you want to be amazed by the age of the stump yeah the stump the bald cypress by that size that it was actually it was probably like a 30 year old tree and he's like oh that's so much cooler and i'm like mm. and it's like the it's the thing like you said like start from seed which you can do you can yeah. start from a seed there's nothing wrong with it it's just not for me yeah. <laughs> i'm patient man i'd rather find something in the ground that's been there work with it from there yep. you collected some uh some bald cypresses recently where'd yeah. you get those cypresses from uh lafitte my hometown Lafitte, and it's slowly turned into salt water. Yeah, it's brackish. Brackish and, uh, water is a well, it's not an actuary like the Lake Pontchartrain, but uh, no. it's a little bit different. I, and I'm not familiar with Lafitte. You could tell me about so Bayou Barataria. It's like the life source of Lafitte, and it, it comes straight from the Gulf. So you get the water of all the inland. Some of the Mississippi pours into it. So you got your fresh and your salt constantly coming in and out with the tides. If there's strong south winds, you could go in a bayou, stick your finger in there and taste it, and it's salt water. Mm. But the little canals that come off of the stuff is brackish. And it's slowly getting, the salinity is getting bad. And it's killing off the trees. So I remember uh, when I was younger, going to these certain places, it was full of cypress trees. 
and I was telling you about the muscadine and oh, yeah. different things like that. And it's just gone. It's like yeah, yeah, like you, the elephant graveyard, graveyard yeah, on Lion King. You guys don't get to see all the species, like you said. Like, and how long ago was that that you remember? Uh, man, at least 15 years ago. It was still lush. Yeah. Then uh, I don't know, man. The a, hurricanes are getting worse and worse. The water's getting higher and higher every hurricane. Yeah, that's that's a true fact. And about like with Louisiana, how we're they they kind of poke fun at us because it we're gradually falling into the into the into the Gulf of Mexico. I yep. mean, it's it's a fact, um, especially where especially where where Europe used to be in that with uh, with Lafitte and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now you're on the you're on the West Bank now, and yeah. uh, and I don't know if it's any different there. Y'all are a little bit more tropical than we are. Um, even on even that difference between North Shore and and, and South Shore of the lake of Lake Pontchartrain, um, there's there's a ten degree difference there most oh, absolutely. times. Um, where we get like like we had that really vicious winter storm that just came through and that dropped us down to like fourteen degrees. I don't know where you guys got to. It was in the high twenties. High twenties? Yeah. Seriously. 14 degrees? Yeah, we were 14. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were 14 degrees one night, and then the next couple of nights, I was I was astounded. I was like, when will this freaking stop? Because it was 26 degrees, and then it was 28, and then it floated right above 30 degrees for, uh, for like, the next week. The nights were just... I was... All, the, all of our trees, all my specimens, especially, uh, like, some of the older stuff that I have had for a while that I'd rather not expose to that. I had repotted some of my trees too. And I, they were all sitting inside um, the office here at you know where the house we're at now. And trees were just sitting in the office for like a whole week. And I and I know they were doing okay because I took the precautions and I missed them and and I, I mean these these trees were in pretty great health to begin with, but uh I mean at the nursery we had just dug up all those trident maples that you had seen out there and we had we have water elms trident maples uh, a bunch of chinese elms uh different varieties of chinese elms and i was i was really scared and it it drove it drove doug crazy he was like i'm sure he was losing sleep we were all losing sleep about it because the best we can do with those trees is lay them on the ground yeah and then spot spray them at at in the late evening and like just drench them down and help hopefully you'll get that igloo thing going on where it okay. freezes over the top I'm sure people up north, if they're listening, they're laughing at us, right? Yeah, well, I always... I never brought any tree in last year. Like, it did not freeze at all. Yeah, and y'all got that down there. Yeah. And I'm jealous of that, because y'all y'all can rock y'all's tropicals, and we, we have to have a greenhouse, just because we're, like, floating right above mm -hmm. uh, freezing down we're here only sometimes. What, maybe an hour apart, 45 minutes? I, I would say safely from where we're at right now. We're on the... We're in Covington right now, so over... That's, that's about a hour and a half drive to yeah. the to the west bank honestly and i mean it's and that's why you hear about like new orleans used to have a whole bunch of really nice uh like tropical collections down there too and yep. that was that was of course before hurricane katrina knocked things over um they i mean i didn't really experience it i wasn't doing bonsai at the time and you you had been you had had to been yeah. dabbling in it at the time did you need effects from katrina yeah we left we went to texas i had my trees on timers they, they they were fine for Katrina. A couple of them fell over and stuff. Well, there was a hurricane right after that, Rita. Oh, yeah. It was like the that double punch. Knocked them over. Salt water from the flood. Oh, yeah. Killed everything. That's what I heard. A lot, of, 
a lot of people, I was talking to this, this other guy that's in the club in New Orleans, and he was like, he was like, the hard justice was I was sitting there in my own house with no water because the water wasn't working. So they had no city water. Mm -hmm. All the pumps were shut down. And he's like, I had all these really nice Japanese black pines, and I'm just watching them sit in that muck water. And he's yeah. like, I can't even water them with the water that's coming out, the, out of the, the well if I wanted to because it, it was salt water. It was all backed up. It was killing everyone's trees down there. It's just I didn't think about it at first. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, they'll be all right. And then I thought about it. And it brought me back to Karate Kid when they dropped the tree in the salt water. And he takes his canteen. He's like, oh, no. He's like pouring up water on the roof. Oh, fresh water. Wait. That so, was Karate Kid 3. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when they climb, when they're hanging off the cliff. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's the best Karate Kid, honestly, because that's whenever Mr. Miyagi. That, is that the one where Mr. Miyagi and Daniel go back to Japan? That was two. Three's, oh, uh, get he, that mixed up. Daniel bought Miyagi a store, a bonsai store. Yeah. And yeah. because you 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 obviously know, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get shit for not knowing <laughs> an, enough about Karate Kid because uh, Cobra Kai is like really hot right now. Um, but that was then that that kind of draws us back to what we were talking about before. It was like where does it come from? Where's the where's the obsession come from? And it's I think I think nine out of ten people would say the yeah. Karate Kid, and then. Uh, of course, interest in Japanese arts, and some people blame anime. Some animes have exposure to bone oh, yeah. um which is kind of cool. I was really in, when I still am into, because uh, you know, the Avatar series, Avatar: the Last Airbender. Um, there's an episode where Gen General Iroh, or Uncle Iroh, whatever you want to call him, um, he's working on bonsai trees when they're isolated. In, uh, oh man, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get flack from all the the fan, all the fandoms from both sides. Uh, Bossy and say when they're isolated in Bossy and say. Have you watched the show? No. See, that's something I got on you. So you know a good bit about Karate Kid. So let's let's go for the. I guess we could do like a whole episode, even like talking about how much, how much the Karate Kid features bonsai mm -hmm. more, and it has that. I feel like it has a lot of karate, obviously. Which, I don't know how true it is to that, because I know there's a lot of karate people out there like, oh, some of those things they did were not true karate. You know, whatever you want to say. But uh, I know the first movie had them working in the shed. Yeah. Where he's he catches the fly, the classic scene, catches the fly with the chopsticks. And that's when you know Miyagi's a cool dude. And then, uh, of course, he's working on the trees, and Daniel goes in there, and he's like, oh, what is, uh, you know, and that's... That's kind of how we feel at the nursery is like they walk in and I'm I'm not like catching flies with chopsticks <laughs> or like snipping like Miyagi's like snipping the Verkumen Nanas that he has. I think close, the Verkumen. Close eyes, Danielson. <laughs> Don't do that. Sea tree. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, if people walk in, they see me. I got like a die grinder yeah. uh, and I'm going at it and they're like, oh, this is how it works. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sometimes. So I, I guess it's good and bad those movies you know back then and now you got the internet you got them at Lowe's so yeah. there's a bunch of people but back then there was no exposure so it was good and bad because the misconceptions 90% of them come from movies like that yeah like all those little junipers are inside yeah and they're displayed inside so you see uh, I know another big one that, that they showed up in was uh, the first Die Hard movie there was Bonesai in that movie I think was it? I'm going to have to Google it real quick. Oh, I think so. Wasn't Alan I've, Rickman the bad guy? Alan Rickman's the bad Snake. guy. And, uh, yeah, rest in peace. Um, let's see. Die Hard. 
Bonsai. And I'm pretty sure they were in there. Um, maybe not. There was another movie that came out recently called Gemini Man with uh, Will Smith. And then I was not expecting it. And because I, I like cheesy action movies like that. And what are you looking for? Oh, I was just. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I'm really into cheesy action films. I used to be a, a huge like sports and air fan. I would just watch all his movies just for fun. I knew they were candy. Me and my and dad were uh, Van Damme. Yeah. Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, Which he lives. Yes, yeah, in my hometown. Steven Seagal, like he, uh, my dad shook hands with him. He's, he said he's a really nice guy. Actually, he's a pretty pleasant dude. Um, he joined the police department in my yeah. hometown. He was. That's how I think my dad had a little show and everything. My dad knows him uh, because my dad actually works through the DEA, and he showed up at one of the conventions in New Orleans. And he was like, "Oh, oh, oh shit, that's Steven Seagal." He had yeah. to shake his hand. <laughs> but yeah, I was watching Gemini Man because I love. No, who doesn't w love Will Smith? And in the beginning of the movie, when he's trying not to be a like an op like a, tr a secret trained military operative and he's trying to live in a, a boathouse and be like incognito like a humble person he's got always oh, he's, he's he's got actual bonsai trees uh somebody i don't know where he was at i want to know the film location i can't remember but uh where he was at somebody probably yeah like gave their collection. their collection it was decent um he didn't work on him he wasn't like snipping on him like uh like old miyagi was doing um, but yeah, Bonsai has kind of made its appearance in miscellaneous films, and they normally, like you said, they normally show up on office desks, kitchen mm -hmm. tables, uh, window seals, old classic window yep. seal. Um, and so, and they, and they're showing up even more today because the new, the Cobra Kai series, they, they bring that back. And you know where, have you watched season one? I did. Uh, I saw the premiere. Uh, my wife and I went to the movies. What? It played at the movie, so it showed That's the awesome. first Karate Kid. No way. Followed by the first episode of Cobra Kai before it went yeah. to YouTube. Uh, now it's on Netflix. It, it was a it was a YouTube. It show. was a YouTube original on yes. YouTube Red. And then and then Netflix was like, we're gonna snatch this up. Yeah. And they did, and now it's run like three seasons. Oh, yeah. First season, if you notice, where they work on the junipers, because Daniel owns the dealership now, and those junipers mm -hmm. are in a cage. They're in a cage. <laughs> In a warehouse in the back of the dealership, and I'm just like, there it is. That's yep. <laughs> that's that. Here's the next wave of of people being confused. How did you feel <laughs> when Johnny walked out mm. talking to Daniel, and he gave him the tree? He's like, oh, everybody leaves with it, their very own bonsai, you know. Mm. Then he throws it out in the parking lot. Oh yeah. So on a Facebook group, everybody was. Oh yeah, they were. <laughs> they were like, did you see that? <laughs> like, yeah. That that's and. That that makes me think. Uh, uh, it's Johnny. Johnny smashes that tree, and he smashes another tree later on in the series. If you remember, because uh, he I don't know if I remember that. he because they have the commercials where they're they're going at each other's throats. Cause, oh uh, yeah, yeah, he chops. It. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't chop. He kicks it. Okay. And he, uh, one of his students holds the tree out, <laughs> and I like I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, why did they do that? Because uh, Johnny's like, he's pretty much like, F you. He's like, this is this is how we do real karate. And just kicks this like little poor juniper and shatters the pot. And you can see the the, the, the person who's holding it, the, like the dirt and like the, I don't know what kind of pot it was. It must have been 
They must have pre-shattered it, like cracked it a little mm. bit when he kicked it. Put some gorilla glue on it. And like, spray glue. dude, like the dirt flew in the person's face that was holding it, <laughs> and you could see like the tree like flop around. And I was like, oh man, that's not that's not necessary. So now we got people. I guess I, I don't. I haven't had any requests to uh, to like karate chop or <laughs> or like high high kick a tree out of someone's hands at my nursery yet. But uh, I I feel like this is the next wave of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like. Like I had mentioned with with Nate pre, on previous episodes about uh, one episode, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but uh, about internet exposure and stuff. Mm. I I don't know. Uh, so, Facebook groups, man. Yeah, and you mon- you monetize the Bonsai Beginner Society mm. moderator. Uh, then did you you started you started that group? Um, so it was the rookie bonsai guy, and he shut down for a little while. And me and Kevin, Kevin actually, he's the owner of the group. I was like, man, let's let's start our own or whatever. And yeah. he did it, and it kind of took off. How many members are there? Uh, we shut it down at seventeen. It was like seventeen thousand. That's because it went from like fourteen to seventeen. It was last spring. It was just ridiculous. Then of course, you know, it's good to have a lot of members, but the quality starts going down. Yeah, because then you get this this misconstrued. Uh, you get these people, that, and I'm not. I don't. I don't think that these online groups are bad, and they have study groups for particular species, which I think those are really great. I'm. I'm part of a, a Portulacaria Afro study group. Yeah, you're, you're part yeah. of that one too. And some of the stuff they post on there, I notice, like, yeah, there's some people post things, and it's like, wow, that's really cool. And then sometimes it's a Carusula. Yeah, and you're like, uh, oops, and then these people start going at it, mm-hmm. and they're like, that's gross, and they're like, no, that was told this is a this is a money tree, this is a this is a dwarf jade, and then like, yeah, it gets diluted, and so uh, I mean, do you have an example for the the beginner society? I don't really look at those forms. I should yeah. more. I try to answer um, things, but I don't want to get in that. Man, at first it was it was fun just answering stuff, but you like we said, like with the members growing and stuff, it's like, then you get why is my juniper dead? Yeah. And the red herring, everybody goes straight to overwatering. You're overwatering it. Yeah. Which I hate. You know, that's, that's something I'm I'm like a advocate for water, water, water. Especially down here where we live. Yeah, like it, especially during our summertime. Man, it gets so hot. So there's people like, oh, you should be watering it once a week or whatever. And and then no. And then you got the regions. Mines get watered three times a day. I'm just saying. And you had yeah, you have to. And I told you, my wife kept one in a. Uh, she potted one last year. Yeah. And there was no holes in a pot. And I'm like, man, why is this this one doing so good? It looks great. And I went, <laughs> went to check on it and repot it, and it was like no holes. It was just sitting in water all year, and it was fine. I'm not saying to do that. It's not a good idea. Hey. But uh, pro- stop blaming overwatering. Pro Cummins Nana is a tough little tree um if if anything if i know that the majority of the people who would listen to this would probably be like oh yeah i got a juniper uh what if it's pro cummins nana i mean that you should treat that thing like like a little gold like Mm. like that that's uh like i would like to see more pro cummins treat it in their different ranges because i mean there's a huge range on that tree um and it's not even a tree. It's like it's actually like a shrub. It, it, it's like it's, a ground covering. It's hardly a shrub. It, it's a it's a it's a creeper. Yeah. Um. And so, people just underestimate how tough those trees are. And I've heard of people have them, like you said, like once a week. I water it. Mm-hmm. There, there was a guy I used to uh, hang out with 
in my hometown, he was the only other bonsai guy I knew. And he's like in his like six late sixties or whatever now. Um, and I was just always like, I was like, how do you take care of all these junipers? Because to me at that time, his junipers looked pretty good to me because they were alive. You know, for me, yeah. <laughs> that was like something. And he was like, oh, you know, I'll just come out here and I water them, but I'm sparing with the water because these procumbent nanas, they're almost like succulents. You don't want to overwater them. But he was also planting in, uh, in like peat yeah. and hayite. That, play, that plays a big part, too. I use hayite for most of my stuff. And we'll have to have a whole discussion on yeah, uh, soil. That could on be a, soil another that could go time. on for six hours. Yeah, and and that's probably that could probably be an argument because uh, I mean, hayite for you, and especially in the and down that's in the, the Lawrence, accessibility. It's yeah. just so e it's easier for me to get. Mm. Pretty much that's all. That's my only option unless I want to order online, which sometimes I don't feel like waiting or yeah. you know like I need it now. So we they got they got the sources down there for hayite comes in the the truckloads and mm -hmm. you can get it like like you're saying pretty cheap super sacks super sack of it and we get super sacks of our materials at the at the nursery but i don't want to dive into into soil components because that's something that gets me fired up and i can go on like yeah. you said for hours about that um and i'm sure there's plenty of other contradicting things we don't want to confuse anyone we want to keep it we want to keep this 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 cast pretty streamlined when it comes to uh we'll break it we'll break into those topics easy you know um, but yeah, as far as general care, that's where people kind of like, I'll have people come into the nursery and they'll say, okay, so what am I getting into? And I like, you know, I, I can be real honest about it and say, it depends on the size of your tree. It depends on the volume of soil in the pot. It, and it also depends on the species. So they pick up, they pick up a Procomans Nana and it's in a high draining soil like we use and it holds moisture and I tell them that you can keep it in full sun and you can water it once a day and it should be fine mm -hmm. but you have to remember to water yeah. it um, it's just that it's it's that fine line between like I was saying earlier like bonsai practice versus like bonsai lifestyle like I don't go a day without thinking about I need to get up and just go water these yeah. trees and I was like, once you ingrain that into your schedule or into the thought process of how you deal with things, um, I think it could get easier from there. And you always, I always tell people, don't shoot high until you learn how to keep your trees alive. Because um, like you said, like you want the tree now, you're a little bit more of an yeah. impatient bonsai person than I am. Um, and so when I try to give material to people, I always give them Procomans Nana, I give them porticaria. Um, porticaria is hands down probably the you easiest. You kill that. Uh, I don't know. Rethinky like. I guess it's hard to kill unless you keep them out in a the freeze. Yeah, and when that that's something that generally like we have a lot of people from the city from the from the South Shore come up and they're like they pick up a porticaria, and I'm like, where are you located at? And they're like, oh, I live down in New Orleans. I'm like, if you kill this thing, I'd be yeah. surprised. <laughs> like, and so we're dealing with those, and then that's and that's whenever we get to, I was like, when you're ready for a bald cypress, and and if some people probably know from my YouTube stuff and Underhill, uh, I say once you're ready for it and you can maintain watering, you can't overwater a bald cypress. So it's the next step, and then you want a tree that you can actually start working on, uh, and then it comes down to general care as far as like, and I don't want to ever I don't ever want to heap on that pile of of 
of responsibility and say, well, now you got to think about insecticides and miticide. And are you using systemic or are you using neem oil that you're going all natural? Or uh, what are you doing as far as fungicide? And you start piling that on to people. Yeah, it becomes overwhelming. It becomes a burden at that yeah. point. And uh, I was telling one of my friends the other day, because he, he's a... He's a really nice guy. He's one of the sweetest guys I've met, and he's like, "I wanna, I wanna buy a bonsai tree from you, man. I, I can do it." And I, I remember we, we had we had drank a little bit that night. I remember towards the end of the conversation, I was kind of kind of not screaming. I was being a good friend to him and raising my voice <laughs> to him in a way like bonsai. It, yeah, tough love with it is like bonsai is not for you. You, you are the bonsai caretaker you are basically it's you know basically it's yeah. bitch like <laughs> you don't you make the wrong move or you don't do anything yeah you you lose this little investment you got the easiest thing else like you see like certain species that say full sun just keep it in dappled sun man even if it's a full sun tree yeah it'll, it'll stay alive if the sun's not beating on it every day and you miss a little watering you know eventually the interior growth will you know get it'll brown, go away but and that's what I tell people. Stay with alive. The Procummins, it's like, yeah, full sun works. But you see at the nursery here, we've got these under heavy shade cloth, mm -hmm. and the Procummins look great. Yeah. Because they, like you said, like I've seen I've seen Procummins in a nursery setting. Because uh, I used to, uh, I used to have the pleasure of going to uh, Guy Gidry's nursery back when he was open, and I would see Procummins at his nursery in the shade. And he watered those trees just as much as he watered his, uh, his cypress trees. And the biggest downfall of those trees at, at that nursery were that the, was the fact that the moss would start creeping up the, up trunk. the trunk. And it would start. It, it would eventually cover the foliage. And he and I would be like, guy, uh, is this this looks cool and all, but he's like, oh no no, I need to peel that off of there. I just haven't got to it yet. So yeah, there's there's a certain amount of I guess abuse that these trees can take. Um, and when you want to go in and do the aesthetic things that we do with these trees, like when we were doing the wisteria today, uh, I, I'll, I'll let you kind of describe the, the horror that we put these trees through. Oh, yeah. Because basically you could have just chopped the tree at the trunk line and stuck it in a pot. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be okay. So certain species, you know, like, like we were talking, like the vines, like wisteria and bougainvillea. Yeah, you don't. You could abuse them, abuse them. Same thing with like tiger barks, ports. Yeah. You try to do that with a juniper. It's gonna die. Yeah. Well, it's like, and and like where I was going with that is too is like, we took these wisterias that we've been growing in the ground for about four years, and they, not only did we just we dug them up, cut the roots back, but wisterias are living like on cuttings like that's that's like like a bogey we talked about mm -hmm. the bogeys are like the it's a it's a block cutting you can take a trunk that is six inches across and stick it in soil and it'll root again yep. um and that's the same thing with the wisterias is like we we dug them up we put them into a bonsai container because we one of the things with wisterias is they become root bound and they perform better when they're root bound and so we're just going to cram them in this tight space let them get full and they'll never start stop running those new uh the, their new tentals and, and making their long, whippy uh, shoots to grab onto things. They just never stop doing that. If if your wisteria stops doing that, then it might be time to repot. Yeah. It might be. But, of course, you're trying to compress that growth. Um, 
But as far as like taking them out of the ground, putting them into a pot, and then we took wood carving tools to them and just grinded them heavily yeah. and a torch. Yeah, and we torched the <laughs> torched the live edges to like give them that cool effect. But the leaves are still on the tree, um, and so I have full confidence in the way that I practice bonsai now versus back in the day with the percumens. You couldn't. Now I I feel like I could take a percumens now, and I've heard other people say this in uh, in those beginners groups, and this is where that that lot that blurred line comes up and people are like saying in the beginning group they take like they get a bunch of percumens they buy them from a nursery stock and then they cut the roots flat and hard and then they cut the top and they wire it out into the design and they plop it in the pot and then you know it's all like it's off to you know land of milk and honey from there and I'm like no it's not because you're telling all these beginners to do this to their junipers mm. and it's going to have it's going to have a I think it, that's where another thing of it is too. I mean, I was under the impression that the exposure to the internet with internet bonsai was, you know, that's how I got along with a lot of the stuff that I learned and looked at and eventually just started doing these things in my trees where I think now it's like people who kind of troll into these groups and say stuff like that, you know, and I don't want to, we're not calling anyone out. There's no names no. to be said, you know, <laughs> but, uh, that's another thing. I hate to get back on soil, but uh, I find for beginners, there's nothing wrong with just regular nursery soil. In the pot. Like nursery soil as in like... Uh, pine bark, peat. Pine bark more for... So this is something that I've talked to with other bonsai growers is, uh, is if they're growing a plant out and you have it in a training pot, pure pine bark with some kind of... Like a, a sifted pine bark. Mm. See, I'm, I'm going I'm to be kind of more technical with it because it's the way I think about it. A sifted pine bark with a ad aggregate like uh, pumice stone is a great yeah. growing medium because the pine bark has a high, high output of organic and then it becomes acidic. And a lot of trees that we grow here, like that acidic breakdown of the of the compounds mm. in the in the in the bark, so it works out. And you could tell that to to true beginner. Um, because, yes, they take these procumens and you find them in pine bark at, you know, at the hardware store or the garden center, whatever you want to say. Um, so that's, I would say that's acceptable, but not yeah. when we get up to a higher... Say for the first, in practice. you know, keep your first couple of trees alive, then, then move push. forward to the... Yeah, Some push. people use pure akadama and I think that would be hard to get away with down here. Man, we're gonna talk soil anyway. Um, uh, Akadama, <laughs> Akadama is okay. I said, well, I mentioned earlier, like the the junipers are the golden package of bonsai because it's the it's the most recognizable, quote unquote, bonsai tree. And then Akadama is like that's like talking about the mm. most sacred of things yeah. of bonsai. Um, and Akadama growing in certain parts of the country works great in louisiana it breaks down pretty quick mm. um i'm i work with i work with uh i work with dawn and she is like further than further than the the south shores of Thibodeau, and she uses akadama in her mix and i've got akadama in my mix over here too i didn't know if you knew i was i've got a bag of it in my in my garden i made shed. a mix one time it didn't it's, impress you no same results now look, I know once it comes to refinement, because you basically, with the particles and stuff like that, you're ramifying the roots. Yeah, 
and that's and that's <clears throat> I, and that's where the the differentiation of telling a true beginner get your first tree and it's okay to repot into uh, into pine bark pure pine bark sometimes in some cases azaleas you can do that mm. easy but the breakdown is quicker and you don't get you'll get fine roots but you won't get the kind of roots that you will need for refinement whereas akadama yes will build your refinement and it comes to a certain point in that um, I heard I think I heard I think it was I forgot which professional said it but uh, I don't want to state any names really honestly but anyway it was like when you open up an old root system that's been in Akadama it's in, like majority of its of its mature life and it's been growing in it for yes let's say like past couple of decades and he's and he said uh when you open up i think this was uh hagedorn's bonsai heresy actually it was you know but uh he said when you open that up and you see those roots inside of the akadama and the way it functions and how beautiful those roots look and how happy and fresh they are in that system and i got to witness something similar to that i was over at dawn's and we were potting repotting trees this past spring and yes some of her little shoheens that she had i got i got she she trusts me enough i was like i want to repot your shoheen i repotted about five of them and every one of them i pulled out was akadama fine packed roots in there i was like this is what I was missing <laughs> you know this is what it's all about this is why they use akadama so uh, it's funny how the, the longer you into it certain different things make you excited yeah, and that's like it was talking about how sexy a root mass is. Like, man, you know, look at it, the <laughs> flared out roots. Yeah, like you can get to that point, um, and that and that's kind of like the thing with with the Pro Cummins. Maybe this maybe this episode is called like Bonsai Misconceptions featuring the Pro Cummins Nana because <laughs> Pro Cummins He's Nana is not a secret. It's not a mystery to work no. with that one. Um, can you can you take your Procumbens at the very beginning and cut those roots hard and drop it straight into pure Akadama? You can, and and with with the right care, of course. I do uh, a lot of stuff I'm not supposed to, and and you know it's about the aftercare too. I mean, as like you were saying, as far as you're saying, like no, nope, I I mean we're gonna hope that nobody <laughs> goes out and don't do it. Yeah. So what what do you mean? Like giving a couple examples. Uh, okay, so they like one major insult a year. Top work, bottom work, you know, don't prune off too much. And sometimes I'll, like, not bare root it, but I'll, I'll, t I'll take off, like, 85, 90% of the roots. Yeah. Put it in a pot. You feel people cringing. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more experienced people listen to this. Be like, and I'll oh, do man. the same on the top. And, like, it, it's, you know, I've gotten away with it. Yeah. And uh, and you have, a, you have a longer growing season, too. That's something yeah. else we have to account for. And where did you, because that, that one insult a year, that's actually a great way to look at it. Where, where did you, did you hear that from somewhere? Uh, somebody had to say it on Facebook. So, I learned yeah. a lot from those groups, man. Um, yeah, the one insult a year, that's actually a good way to look at it. Um, especially with junipers and Japanese black pine or any other evergreen conifer mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um is that yes root work and we're talking we're talking about young trees yeah young young trees yeah uh trees and refinement would be yeah. vigorous a totally different totally different ball game just like uh if a kid fell down the stairs they'll get up and run 
Yeah. But if I fell down the stairs, <laughs> it might limp a little bit, and the next day I'm, I'm staying in bed. Yeah, you're and back. It's basically the same thing. Those young, vigorous trees, you could put them through hell, basically. Yeah, my back twists a little too easy <laughs> nowadays. But yeah, you can you can take, if you get a garden stock, Procumbens Nano, and you know, this is a lot of those Nanos are actually, they're all cuttings. What they're doing in the in the nursery trades is they they cut the the young vigor shoots off, plant that, grows out. Technically, that tree is a one year old cutting, and it becomes rooted and has its own stuff. And then from there, and I'm doing a lot of stuff with seedlings right now, can kind of do the same thing. Like a seedling can pounce back from that kind of, that kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a I'm doing a lot of experimentation with the and it and it's kind of it's a known thing. It's been around for a little while, where you take the seedling cut the stem at the roots and then replant the seedling it sounds insane but it works really good from what i've seen and so i'm gonna actually come up with those they're made to be stepped on in nature yeah like they're, a seedling it's like oh oh yeah they're flexible try they're, they're, step on. yeah and that's where some of the stuff comes from um we think about the act of nature and the act of man's hand and we're the whole point of bonsai for this matter would feel like we're trying to make it look like nature did it but we have to be we have to be nature in that you have to be at that force so um is there any other instances you can think about where because you said you do top and bottom work separately and supposed I'm not, to i'm not trying to drill you it's not like i'm no trying no, to... no. <laughs> um there's a lot of, i'll wait, wait like a month and a half two months in between everything for like, after if i do no i'll do both at the same time that you know i'll trim Trim. 75% of the, the foliage off and 90% of the roots sticking in the, just because I want it in a certain pot because I'm, you know. Yeah. And I think, like, with with junipers and stuff, yes. Young trees, yes. Yeah. Um, deciduous trees have a unique treatment. I would say, like, the Procumbens Nana could be, like, the only one that I can think of that most people treat like a deciduous tree. Because they say that and I think this is an old wives' wives' tale thing with cut the roots hard on a deciduous tree, cut the top back as well so that the energy balances, which I don't know how true that is really. But uh, but I, I think it's it's fair, for of course, for experienced hand and knowing what your soil content is and your watering regimen is going to be later on. So it, I think it, it would be fair to say that. Um, so... And I, I feel like I could fall guilty to the little bit of the impatience thing too, um, but I have thousands of trees to kind of comb through, so yeah. Um, but you know, now my better stuff, I don't, you know, I don't play around with it. Like I, you know, I, I do everything by the book. Mm. I'm just, you know, I want more trees. I want more trees, and I give most of them away. The smaller ones, I grow tired of them. Yeah. I still, I like to experiment with them and play around, see what I could get away with. Hmm. That's part of it too. Is um, I mentioned before, the previous, like I don't do bonsai now like I used to. It's like now I'd really I'd much more willingly give a tree to someone, um, and so that they can have those experiences because I can tell when someone looks at a tree and it sparks that interest and mm-hmm. they want it, and that that's that's a really good place to be. So yeah, giving your trees to to a true beginner or or somebody who already has a few and it's like like you said that one extra tree that makes a difference uh but it's also another tree to experiment with and torture yeah along the line but you know 
Um, How many have you killed? Oh, God. You have to ask something like that. Let's see. There's got to be a better way to say that. Um, How many trees... Have died in your care. Have died? (laughs) No. It's not like you're going out there and cutting them and, like, stabbing them. Yeah, no. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't actively kill these plants. They they died in my care. They passed in my care. That's a lot easier. It sounds like I'm... I'll, I'll, that's another thing I always hear is like, the trees didn't die. You killed it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, is that on the, the groups? Um, I'm pretty sure. I've probably heard that on Facebook too. Yeah. I laughed. I remember. It's uh, one of the ones that stuck with me. <laughs> the tree didn't die. You killed it. But honestly... Uh, Trees that have passed in my care. So back when I started, of course, I remember the early days for me was uh, having a little table, like a. It probably was probably a folding table, honestly, at the time. I'm sure there was probably about 20 or 30 trees packed on that little tiny table, and I don't have any of those trees today. Um, and that would have been like year one, going into the second year. Then I started trying to. I started noticing things were going south. And then I would say it went from like a 20% success rate to like a 30 and then it just kind of hung yeah. there. <laughs> like There were some trees back in the day that I think about now, and I mean, there was an obvious attraction to these trees earlier on. I'm thinking about now, I was like, man, if I was, I still had some of those trees now, would, would I still see them the same way? And maybe it is a good thing that they didn't last long Mm -hmm. because i made decisions based off of different if there was different things that i made decisions about selecting bonsai material than i do now obviously um now i'm looking for potential roots like am i going to have to work these roots to death before i get the i get that root mass that i want and get the nabari that i want because i look at bonsai now and i only look at the first couple of inches of the trunk I don't look at the top. I don't care about the top because that's something you got to build later on. So, um, and so, like, I would say, okay, so my casualty number could probably be, oh man, I don't want to say it. It's like maybe like a hundred something. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's, yeah. but th- that doesn't include. If I had to guess. That 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 in, that includes everything from seedlings, cuttings that I took, plants that I just dug out of the ground randomly that I thought would be cool. Uh, every run, every time I, I ended up in a Walmart, I came home with something. Uh, so these weren't, these weren't like losses. They weren't like, they weren't like serious losses. It wasn't like I went to a, an established nursery for pre bonsai and I bought almost a hundred trees and then obliterated all of them. Like at this point now, I think I can atone, like I have, I can attest and my sins have been, my bonsai sins have been you know, heard, <laughs> and I should be forgiven now, but, uh, I mean, okay, so if you're going to ask me that question, what are you looking at as far as trees? I mean, about the same, about the same, <laughs> yeah, and you've been doing it, uh, since on and off, 1990, mm-hmm. <laughs> on and off, if you add it all together, it's not as, you know, don't add up to, you know, the experience that you have, but I did learn a lot of stuff along the way, yeah, is there any, uh, is there any people that, that you've, that you've met like that were this is this is a good request good question any people this is for me too is a uh, in, influence like people that also did bonsai or in early person? on early on that 
kept you going? Uh, when I was young, I had that Vaughn Banning VHS. Don't know how it got in our collection, and I would watch that. Yeah, and uh, I think Guy was apprenticing for him. It was in the video. And Gary, it was in a video. It was a demo. I think that footage still exists. Last yet. I've tried. I tried to find it. I actually found it on YouTube, and I, I tried to go back to it and send it to you, but it was like it was encrypted or something. Like it only exists in Japan. It's like all Japanese writing underneath it, and it won't not let me watch it. Huh? That's weird. Maybe I'm, it's. I'm on I hope a... it resurfaces again. It was, a, it was a really good video, man. If you so you say you might have it somewhere. The um. The VHS? Do I have the physical copy? I yeah. lost everything after Katrina. Yeah, we lost every photo albums, everything, man. Yeah, vintage video games. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I took. <laughs> I had a case of uh, Super Nintendo. It was a couple of Rubbermaid containers, and you could you could dry them out and it still worked. I was like, I had an NES and Super Nintendo collection. My dad threw it away. Disheartened, like, man. <laughs> uh, so, and I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Vaughn. Um, I heard he was a pretty a pretty chill dude. He's pretty 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 good at what he he does. Or what he what his his legacy is carried now. Uh, I mean, he gave us he gave us flat top bald cypress. He mm-hmm. gave us bald cypress bonsai. Um, so, but there was was there anyone else that you kind of man? I don't know. Old John Naka, Ben Oki. Yeah, you didn't meet him. No, I didn't meet him. I didn't really meet. You knew anyone. of him. Yeah, I knew of him. That well, it, it was on a Karate Kid. It was like a bonus feature, right? Oh yeah, and it was like you keep telling me about that. You have Dude, to. You need to watch that. We'll have to sit down and Benogi is like a art and relax. That's bonsai, and it is like I'm like yeah, that's right. I'm that's, gonna get a shirt. That's cool. Shirt made art and relax. <laughs> we might have to. Uh, I don't know. Those those words are not copyrighted, but if we can mm-hmm. come up with merch for the cast, yeah, put that art on. Art and relax. That's pretty good. Uh, that sums it up. I think we should do one episode where we sit down and we watch that video, and then we kind of pick through it. Mm-hmm. And tell and talk about how it relates. Uh, that would be fun because we were supposed to look at it the other day, but we had too much other, other shit going on at that time, really. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I I think I might have mentioned it, but uh, early on I had a. Yeah, he's he still he still does bonsai. You know, not as heavily as he did before. I had a friend over in Hammond. Uh, his name was Larry, and he was the first guy that I went to his house. And I and it was the one I was talking about. I was exposed to all of his Pro Cummins Nana junipers, and they were all really, they were really, really cool to me at the time. Like I said, because they were, he was keeping them alive, and he had not just Pro Cummins, but I saw, at his house, I saw my first bald cypress. I wouldn't say it was bonsai yet. It was he was having troubles with it because he he practiced bonsai in a very laxed kind of way where. He was also influenced by the Karate Kid, of course, and uh, and he was just like, I saw the Karate Kid one time, and I figured, hell, I could do that too. And so I just went out and started buying some junipers. And so I got all these junipers out back here now, and I just water them, and you know, I trim them every once in a while. Like I'm I'm talk I'm talking like him because I literally I can remember those those words because I would go hang out at his house like every weekend, um, and we would sit there, and he would be one of the things he would tell me and he was trying to be he was trying to be my personal Miyagi with it he, he would pull out a tree and he'd be like cut off that branch no you don't need that one cut off that branch and it was like no explanation as to why yeah. <laughs> it was just it was arbitrarily just like cut off that one cut th- there you go yeah and so Larry was my first time that I'd gone to someone's house and they were nice enough to let me go in and I bought 
quite a few of his trees and I have one uh, we're, we're in the backyard I'm, and it's that juniper over there in the corner that one he he gave me that one and uh, I worked That's the at, one I was on a cover of the magazine with yeah you? the one on cover of Country Roads magazine out of Baton Rouge and uh, and I styled it real nice for him and I said this one's for you Larry I did this one real nice for you and then you could I could tell where his his confidence in the in the in the the level of practice that he had, he was at and he's been doing bonsai for 30 years too and he's kept all his trees alive for this for that long but as soon as i wired that juniper out and i made it nice he got scared and he was like he called me next week and he was like evan i i wake up sometimes and i'm looking around the backyard and i think someone's gonna come back here and take this juniper i was like just because i wired a few of the branches out and he's like yeah man it's so nice now i've never been worried like this before and i was like I was like, okay, well, and he gave it back to me, and um, he said, this is yours. Uh, you've done some nice, he said, you've done, done some good things, help me out, personal things for, you know, for him as far as what he was having troubles with at the time by helping him kind of liquidate some of his, his collection that he had, um, and he ended up giving me the tree, um, and so, but yeah, over, and I was mentioning with Larry where he had the, the cypress tree. And that was the first time I'd seen that, and I was like, "This is, he's onto something." I was like, "I was like, so where did you, where did you get this cypress tree from?" He's like, "Oh, I just went out in the swamp and dug this up." And I was like, "Okay, it's that easy." And then he was like, "Well, really, Guy Gidry told me that I need to dunk it in something or another to get rid of these uh, these root aphids that I got real bad with it, and I just can't seem to get it to come back." And I was like, "Guy Gidry, eh?" And then next thing I know, I'm googling Guy find his nursery he was over over in this area actually where we're at now and his nursery at the time was uh was off of 190 and he had had a really nice collection going uh i, I didn't get to see twister but tw he had tw he had actually sold twister like a few years before my first visit there so i was a little late if i would have been earlier then yeah i would have been able to bask in the glory of twister if you guys don't know what twister is you can google guy Gidry twister and that was that was the biggest specimen bald cypress, and it went on to it went on to be displayed at the first nationals, uh, uh, Bill Varvanis's first national show. It was at that show. I didn't know if you knew that. In Rochester. That. In Rochester, yeah. Um, and then Guy went on to sell that tree and and had set a record in the United States for like most expensive, most valued tree sold in America. Well, we're looking over at Japan. And there were, if you look it up there, I think there was recent times, I think it was a couple of years back, somebody had auctioned off a bonsai in converted currency to U.S. dollars. It was like millions of dollars. And it was probably some truly ancient Yamadori, yeah. you know. So, But, yeah, then I rolled into Guy's Nursery and got super inspired, you know, by all the big trees because he was a big tree guy. And I went on thinking I'm going to be a big tree guy, and now I'm a small tree guy. I'm like a medium to small meat. Me, I'm looking at some of the trees. That's another thing I finally, was as your interest grows, I'm like I started getting to the like the smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, because you carry all the stuff around, man. <laughs> yeah, and you can get into those trees. And I'm looking at my bench right now, and I got a limited space for my trees now. And I'm like, okay, one more shoheen is not going to break it. But yeah. I was. I think that's another thing too. Is how how big are your, are your eyes getting into bonsai? Getting like starting out, like 
that's that's why I ask people, what are you into? Do you want a big tree? Because we can make a big tree, and you mm-hmm. will learn the undertaking from that. What was okay? So here's a here's a little fun thing to talk about. It was like the biggest tree that. What was your biggest first tree that you got? Because I can uh, remember mine. It was a Eastern Red Cedar. That's that's <laughs> a fun dude, tree, dude. Them things. Um, I mean, you touch them, they die. It's actually a juniper. They call it Eastern Red Cedar. Well, it's it's an, it's a juniperus. Yeah. Whatever. I can't. I, I don't know the the Latin name. I haven't done a whole lot of work with them, and I've actually been asked by someone recently if we had any of those cedars. I think it was I think it was Josh. Josh just like randomly was it you or Josh? It had to be Josh. Because Josh was poking around. I think he was talking about it in a group chat. Yeah, that's probably why he chimed in and asked me about them. Yeah, they, uh, from my experience, I mean, at that time, I was killing trees left and right, too. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I've always heard you touch the roots, they die. Like, they don't like any root work. I mean, were you did you dig up a big cedar? Is that what you did? Yeah. Okay, so... And where was this? Where was it at at the time? On a levee. Okay. It was coming off the the canals. They man-made. They dig to get to like the yeah pumps and stuff, natural gas. It was just growing right there, man. I mean, it had to be maybe four inches at the base. It, it had, had some good taper on it. Movement and all the good stuff. Uh, no movement in the trunk. It had flare, almost like a you know, like a Yamadori cypress. Yeah. Smaller. But I, I think that's one of, the, one of the things is like collecting them, I think, could be a thing in the future. Um, and it's obviously going to be root aftercare because I hear about I hear about like uh, Randy Knight going up and collect and collecting in the Rockies and stuff. And when he gets those trees out, there's a really particular way he r- works with his roots. And I think not disturbing the roots, keeping the shape of the root system, there might be some some cedar, like native cedar work to be done, but I don't think people are invested in that too much around here. No. Foliage is kind of ugly, too. Yeah, you the foliage is kind of floppy. Yeah, it's, it's all... Healthy. It just, it's It's ratty looking, it's but... It's ugly tree. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen people take some juniper varieties that have a floppy growth on there, and they wire it up to keep it in position, and it looks, it looks fine, but... As soon as you take the wire off, it flops down. So maybe the cedars, if we ever get a good collected stock piece that has semi-healthy growth on it, and it starts actually kind of growing decently, I think it would be subject for uh, for like scion, like uh, shimpaku scion grafting. That could be an option. Uh, I'm gonna have to take you uh, one day and go show you, check them out. There's various sizes all over. They grow and they're growing out the uh, now the swamp maples grow out the cypress, the dead cypress. They, yeah. they'll have growing out of there too. That's something I actually have a I have a Von Banting uh, little pens used to used to hand out trade pens back in the day. Like this was like I guess this is something they did in the eighties and nineties a whole bunch. And it has his name on it. They're really cool little pens. And one of them has a picture on it, and it has a little stump like that, and it has a, the tree growing out the stump. So nice. I think, I think, if, and and I'm willing to bet that if you try to pull a cedar out of one of those stumps, though, you're gonna really be, you're gonna be really not in a good place with that tree. Yeah, all those, you know, like the hollows and the cracks that now I'm sure them roots are like, 
jammed in there. Yeah, they're they're dug down in there for sure. Uh, I remember when my eyes were too big for Bowen's eye, I pulled. Uh, I went I went out with uh, my grandfather, and he's he's an old bass bass fisherman, and he's like, I know a spot where we can get some cypress trees for you, bud. And he brings me out, and of course I want that big cypress. Mm. And my first big tree was a bald cypress that we we started digging on one that was a little bit a little bit more inland it was not in the water and i was trying to put the shovel down in and and of course the uh and of course the roots were not they were not where i thought they were they were much deeper they were probably in the water five feet away and and he was like, "Why are we? Why are we bothering with all this? Like, let's get a, you know, he's like, I got, I got a rope in the back of my, my boat here, and I was like, my, my outboard is, is much more powerful than you think." And he takes his rope, wraps it around a, a cypress tree that was sitting, in the water closer to us, and he wrapped it, and he just took off, and he yanked the tree out of the water, and you could hear like all the roots were just like, like, it was like, a very dramatic experience for the tree. And he drug it up, and he took a saw, and he cut the top off of it for me. He's like, "You got your tree now," because he was. He, he he loves me of course and he but he was kind of over the situation we had been out yeah. in the sun all day trying to dig a tree out and uh, I brought that tree home and and uh, I put it in a box I actually built my fr- my first grow box for that tree out of out of uh, out of just pine whatever I could get my hands on and I'd had I did no root work on it and did not know that when he pulled that thing out of there that he we had broken off one whole side of the root system on one side and the tree grew a little bit and it started growing and then me being young into it i started initially like wiring and cutting branches and the there was only one side of the trunk it was deep deep down in this in the bottom of the the grow box and the grow box was 12 inches deep because i was like i didn't know what the hell i was doing with it and i would water it and water it and it would look great during the spring and then the summer it would start suffering i was like I don't know what I'm doing wrong here and I would water it and not realize that that water never really got down to those roots and so the tree just did poorly and it, eventually it did die um, but you live and you learn and now I pull cypresses out and that's why I'm saying like look at it differently now and I pull it up for the roots for the flare and when I work the roots I work down that muck layer of soil down to the root system and make sure those roots exist and then put it in that grow pot and then boom things are great you know um, and we'll have to future episodes. So we'll do we'll do an assessment of the Karate Kid series, <laughs> proceeding with the John Naka Benoki video that I had no idea about. I should have known about this for years. Obviously, it's a good thing um, that we can bring it up now, and I can have this first reaction to it. And then another episode, we need to talk about soil, and we can have uh, we can get Nate in on this one, sit here and just talk about soil. Um, and then, and then we'll go into bald cypress because I know it's a hot topic. Um, this this is called this is the Southeast Boneside Podcast. We got to talk about it. And people are getting more brave. That was another misconception. Like they can only be kept down here, just like they thought buttonwoods can only be South Florida. You know, with the proper care, they could. Yeah, there's buttonwoods everywhere now. And the same thing with bald cypress. I see a lot more people getting them. Like Pam, she's the admin of the group. She uh, she just got one. And you said you said she's she lives in, in Idaho, something like that. Idaho, um, they have a couple of cypress trees in Ohio. 
I heard that there's some low area. We went up to, I took a trip to Tennessee, and I was in a local bar on New Year's one night. We're talking to a bartender or something, and he was wearing a shirt that had, like, cypress trees on it. And I was like, those are bald cypress trees on your shirt. And it said something about, like, something, something Tennessee. And he was like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a real cool spot around here where there's, like, this little dip and you can take a kayak out there and there's there's these really cool spooky trees out there and i was like yeah bald cypresses but he didn't know what the hell they were um so their their range is really far and i've shipped i've shipped um bald cypresses to kentucky california uh of course texas florida and a couple other places that you would not assume they would be at and then you got you got uh ryan neal up in up in uh like the Portland area, and he's got, he's got pond cypress, and he's doing all these things with his pond cypress, and he's got bald cypress forests that he's works he works on too. So yeah, the range is really good. So that's definitely a good thing to go into, and we can talk about the more what it takes from step from A to B and what they need, and we can go into that refinement stuff. But uh, but yeah, it looks like we we put on a good chunk on this episode. Um, and we'll have to come up with some more variants, like, uh, we can have, like, a, like a species feature, too, at the end of each episode, lightly talk about a species and their care from the Southeast Range, I think it would be cool. So, we'll kick that off with the Bald Cypress episode or something like that, but, alright, I think that's good, we'll, uh, we'll stop it there, uh, uh, see you guys next time, or you can, you can, guys can tune in next time, this, this was, uh, the South... East Bonsai Podcast, and name's Evan, Mark, and uh, we'll we'll be hanging out with you guys next time.